Jesus seems way too good to be true, but it's true. Imagine. God sent his son Jesus to die for us. That seems too good to be true. For, with human reasoning, think about this message through human reasoning. Like, if you're part of culture, if you don't want anything to, anything to do with Jesus, if you want nothing to do with Jesus and someone told you, hey, God sent his son to die for you and to save you, you would tell them that they're... That seems idiotic as a human. As a, my human flesh says, that's, that's too good to be true. God didn't send his one and only son to die for me. That's too good to be true. That's why human reasoning is an absolute joke. Human reasoning doesn't tell us that it makes sense for Paul to be saved. Human reasoning doesn't present the message that Paul gives us to the churches in Galatia. Human reasoning doesn't align with the revelations that all of us can receive from Jesus Christ. This is my main point. Human reasoning has no chance against the power of God's promise. When I'm talking about the power of God's promise, I'm talking about the promise to send Jesus and to take us home with him. Worldly reasoning has wants nothing to do with the fact that Jesus came to save each and every single one of us and to take us to heaven. Worldly reasoning, human reasoning wants to focus on the fact that we're all desperate for something, we're all desperate for attention, we're all broken, we're all, we're all sinners, we're all sinful, and we all are going to go to hell. And the reason I'm saying human and worldly reasoning is because Jesus is not of this world. The devil is. So Satan's reasoning, the devil's reasoning is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's to take you out. It's to, to take you a place that you may not even know exists. Some of you in here may not even know there's a heaven and a hell, but I promise you there is, and the devil wants to take you there with him. But God knew from the very beginning before he even created Adam and Eve that eventually we were going to fall and need to be saved, and that's why he sent Jesus. That doesn't even make sense, but that's why it's so cool. Think about this. This is the best. Paul, when he was Saul at one point in time, was the epitome of messy, complex, confusing. There was nothing simple about the guy. He was this devilish ruler that was power hungry. All he wanted to do was satisfy himself. All he wanted to do was destroy people that didn't agree with him. He was killing Christians, like I've said. As humans, we look at that and say, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. At least I haven't killed people. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm hoping at least, a lot of you in here probably haven't killed a person. Like I'm, I'm hoping that deep down. So all of us, if we're agreeing that none of us have killed anyone, a lot of us are agreeing right now and saying, oh man, at least I didn't kill someone like Saul did. That would be messed up. But the thing that's crazy about what I'm about to say is God literally doesn't care. Jesus does not care. Like human reasoning would say, oh wow, Saul killed Christians. He was the worst you could ever be and he's never going to be saved or fixed. Nothing is ever going to come of good from that guy. So if none of us, and God still saved him, Jesus still saved Saul and now Paul, and Paul is in heaven waiting for us because I want to talk to him. I'm excited. So if God reached that far out, if Jesus reached that far to reach Saul, now Paul, and none of us, track with me, and none of us have killed someone, that means based on human reasoning, none of us are as bad as Paul was. So if Paul was able to be saved by Jesus, why can't you and I? 
And the fact that we don't live in that mindset every single day is ridiculous to me. I'm talking to myself. I want to remind myself every single day that Jesus stuck his arm out as far as he could to bring me out of all my messes. Don't ever take that for granted, please. I do way too much. I'm not saying I still don't take that for granted. I do. We must remember the the cost that God paid to send his son for us. And this is what also this is I want to say this as well. Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. We are in week two of our series, Simple. We're looking at Galatians 1. There is only one good news. The message has always been and always will be the same, and that is Jesus. So grab your Bible, turn to Galatians, and something to write with. Simple. Who remembers who was here last week? I know more of you were here last week. Last week, we embarked on a new sermon series called Simple, and today we're going to be in part two of that series. And today, I actually have a subtitle. So I have a a title within a title. And the title of today's message is Human Reasoning is a Joke. Yeah, it is. I know that sounds a little bit blunt. That sounds a little bit harsh, but you're going to understand where I'm going tonight as we dive into it. But Human Reasoning is a Joke. Um, I'm kind of just going to go right into it today because I kind—I think I've learned that I talk too long when I'm up here. So we're going to try. Someone said yes. They agree. As we talked about last week, um, we talked about Zacchaeus and the story of, um, of him knowing that he was a tax collector. Do you guys remember this? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We sang this song together. Zacchaeus was a wee little man who was a tax collector. And we dove into the story of him wanting to be closer to Jesus even though he knew that he was a bad person. In that time, for those of you that weren't here last week, tax collectors in the, in the Jesus times were not people that other people wanted to be around. They were sinful, they were greedy, they were selfish. And Zacchaeus had the humility to, re- to realize that and to still know that he needed Jesus and he wanted to be close to him. So he climbed a tree to get close to him and he had dinner with Jesus. Um, and Jesus saved Zacchaeus just like he simply saves you and I. Tonight, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to dive into another Bible story, Uh, not necessarily a story tonight, but another passage in the Bible where a Bible character, an apostle, actually, in this case, we're going to be reading out of Galatians. But Paul, he he dives into a a message that he received from God where it's just simply put, um, and I'm really excited to dive into it tonight. So how many of you can agree? We said this last week, that we live in a very fast-paced and evolving world. It's not simple by any means. It's complex. I'm just going to recap for those of you that are new. It's complex. It's confusing. It can wear you out. There's nothing simple about the the culture that we live in today. The world tells us to never be satisfied. And how, how many of you know that that's the complete opposite of what Jesus tells us? Actually, what God tells us. God tells us to be, to find satisfaction in his son, Jesus, because he came to save us. There's always something that's vying for our attention Our culture yells complexity, uncertainty, and confusion, and it's not a simple place to exist. And this, I added this to my notes this week. It's super easy to get caught up in what the world tells us would be easy and what what makes sense in culture today but doesn't make sense in the way Jesus would see it. So like I said, we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 1 today, and we're going to talk about the separation of human reasoning and the separation of the reasoning that comes with Jesus. Paul very clearly outlines it in Galatians chapter 1 that, that human reasoning is a joke, like the title says. 
but the reasoning that comes from the, the Lord, the revelation that comes from Jesus is divine, superior, and, and powerful and real. There's one good news in this world, only one, and it's actually not even from this world. A lot of you would probably agree with me when you feel like there's so many different things saying, this is what's going to be next, this is what's going to be new, this is what's going to be the future, this is the best news you'll ever hear. But how many of you agree with me that there's one good news in this universe, and it's Jesus? One good news. It's the gospel. It's the Bible. It's God. It's God sending his son. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. So in Galatians chapter 1, when we dive into it, Paul humbles himself before us almost. He says, I didn't receive this message from the Lord by human reasoning. I didn't receive it by somebody that told me to say it. I received it from a revelation from Jesus. Gospel messages all throughout the Bible, not just this one that we're going to talk about today, but the message, message in the Bible, gospel messages, are not based on human reasoning. Instead, they are direct revelations from Jesus Christ. How encouraging is that? To know that we don't have to, to rely on um, our own thinking, our own believing, our own reasoning to, to, to survive. So we're going to dive into the Word today. But before we do that, I just want to pray. So let's bow our eyes and close our... Whoa, bow our eyes and close our heads. I always say that. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this amazing night. Thank you for these amazing students and the fun that we always get to have together. God, I thank you for your powerful word, for the, for the God-breathed word that we're about to open up tonight. God, I pray that it, that it moves and convicts and, and points through to, to each and every individual that needs to hear a certain way. God, I'm so encouraged by the way that, that the Bible can, can speak to us differently. So however it needs to land on each and every single one of us today, I pray that it does that. And God, we thankful, we're so thankful for your love, so thankful for all your blessings. In your name we pray. Amen. Who brought their Bibles? Oh, you can raise your phone. That actually counts. If you're on your phone for good things and on your Bible, I'm okay with it because I want you to follow along. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation tonight. <clears throat> that has grown to be one of my favorite translations of the Bible. And we're going to start the stage here. I always do this. I read a large portion of scripture, and then we're going to unpack it together. So bear with me, please. Galatians chapter 1, turn there. If you have New Living Translation, you're already ahead. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, turn to that. If you have ESV or something else, try to decipher as we go. <clears throat> so a little bit of context. Paul is talking about, in Galatians chapter 1, he, he writes a series of letters to the church of Galatia. A water. Can we give it up for Aaron Hartenstein? Orlana, oh my word. I was sitting there in my seat earlier and I was like, I forgot water. That was the Holy Spirit. One second. Man, they're good people here. Okay. So Paul is in, he's writing a series of, of letters to the church of Galatia. And we're going to dive into the, the first chapter of it today. And Paul sets the stage in this. He's talking about how he was appointed an apostle, not by humans, um, not by people that he gained popularity with, um, but he was appointed an apostle of Jesus by God. Um, he, was, he received a direct revelation from men, and, and only by the authority of Jesus, he, he has the opportunity, opportunity to share the good news of him, not by human authority. And I love the way that Paul outlines this. He does it in all, a lot of the books he's written. He just, he's really real. Can you guys appreciate that? Will you agree with me? Paul's a really real dude. He doesn't sugarcoat things. And I've said this before. That's why I think I preach from him a lot. But Paul just tells us how it is. He's really straight up. He's, hey, I was not a good dude, and you all know it, and I'm just going to tell you how it is, and this is what God told me, so I'm going to tell you. 
I love Paul. So we're going to start in verse 6 today. It says this. Follow along with me, all right? I am shocked. This is the best. He just goes for it. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but this is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Pause. Does that sound like our world we're living in? No? Yes, it does. So many times we find ourselves, at least I do, in situations where people are definitely trying to twist the situation or the gospel. And I'm not going to be, I'm going to be really real with you. There are going to be people in your life that you're going to encounter that are definitely going to try to twist what the words, God's word says. And we need to be prepared for that. And Paul's going to tell us how to tonight. In verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. So he doubles down on what he says. He says there's one good news, and if anybody tries to stray from that, they are wrong. And then he says again, I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news, they will be cursed. When someone doubles down on something, I definitely take what they're saying to be true. Will you agree with me? I don't necessarily argue with people when they double down on things. Paul says in verse 10, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And then he delivers the message he received from Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, in verse 11, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human, human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and, and had no one taught me instead. I received it direct, by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. For those of you that don't know, Paul was once named Saul, and he was a ruler that, that hated Christians. He hated people that followed Jesus. He hated people that wanted to be near him. And I'm going to be straight up, he killed Christians. And a lot of us would say, wow, I'm very happy I've never killed somebody. But what I'm going to say to that is, sin is sin to Jesus. It doesn't matter where we find ourselves or where we've been, committing a little white lie is no different in Jesus' eyes to Saul killing Christians. So he tells us that. He says, you know that I violently persecuted God's church. So again, he's humbling himself before us, not, not elevating him above us, but humbling himself before us to know that God's message that he received is not from humans, but from Jesus. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew that was people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. 
Oh, man. Paul gets me every time. Imagine if somebody was only known because they killed people. He's in all these cities in, in Judea. Nobody knew him as Paul, the now apostle. People knew him as Saul, the one that killed Christians, and that people were actually running from him. How many know on this earth that it's much easier to gain a reputation of negative than it is positive? It's way easier to walk into your high school and to to do something bad and people will remember you for that than it is to constantly be a good person and have people know you for that as well. It's super interesting to me that our culture is so focused on negative things. You can do 10 right things and then the moment you you see someone do one thing wrong, that's all you think of them for. So that's what was happening in this passage. People say, oh, this guy that used to kill us is coming. But imagine this. The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he used to destroy. That is wild to me. What I appreciate about the way Paul writes and the way Paul teaches to us is he he doesn't single himself out. He doesn't say, hey, this is what I'm telling you. This is what you need to do because God told me. No, Paul very much encourages at, at that time people to come around him and to, to write letters of, to the churches of Galicia, Galatia together. And he's still doing that today. The reason Paul writes to us is because he wants to rally people around what God told him. It's not, hey, I'm superior because God gave me this revelation. It's no, come together so we can pursue Jesus at the same time. We must never, ever forget what he says I'm trying to find it. I'm sorry. They praise God because of me. Never forget that all the glory goes to Jesus. All the glory to God forever and ever. Never forget it because it's so easy. It could have been so easy for Paul to get wrapped up in himself and say, yeah, God, God saved me on the road to Damascus and now I do all his work and I'm a great guy and I tell people about Jesus. Like it's easy. We see it a lot in culture where these leaders who are, are good Christians, they get really embodied in themselves and they think it's all about them. Paul's a perfect example of something that could have happened to, but no, he humbled himself and said, join me in this pursuit of Jesus. I love how he just says there's only one good news. At the very beginning of this passage in verse 11, he says, sorry, no, in verse 6, he says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. To have a little bit more context, in Galatia, there was a bunch of churches and he's addressing them and telling them how as we, if you go later on in Galatians, there's a lot of rules that he lays out on how the church should operate and, and the order that will take place. And literally the first thing he says is, I'm shocked that you're turning away so quickly. You're being fooled deliberately by those that want to tr- twist the truth of Jesus. There will be people, like I said earlier, there's going to be people in our lives that hate the fact that we love Jesus. I experienced that so many times in high school, and I, I was real with, I'm real with you guys. Can you admit that? And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I'm uh, whatever. I just say it how it is. And I'm, and I'm not saying that for any other reason than to show that don't do it the way I did. Because in high school, so many people hated the fact that I love Jesus. And I think that's the reason I got so insecure and never shared about him. I told you that a few weeks ago. I, ne- I don't, can't remember. I've tried so many times even since I preached that message. I can't remember one person I sat down and had a conversation with and said, this Jesus, I know you need him. Not once. So there's going to be people that say, oh, that, that guy, he likes Jesus. He loves Jesus. We don't need him. Don't run from those people. I wish I could tell this to myself in high school. Don't run from those people. Run to them. 
Like what a better person to start with to, to tell them about the love of Jesus that they have, that Jesus has for them. And on top of that, it's really easy for us as humans to be like, okay, that person, I need to stay away. They obviously don't want anything about Jesus. Why not pray for them? There's probably so many people in your middle school and your high school that hate Jesus. And it's so easy for us as Christians to be like, all right, they're lost. Like they're, there's no way they're ever going to find Jesus. Pray for them. Even if they're not welcoming conversation with you, please never forget the power of prayer. We spend a lot of time trying to learn all these things, but we can all pray. Pray for the people that, that you wouldn't normally think to pray about. This was awesome to me. Paul says, us or even an angel must never preach different from the good news of Jesus. Even an angel. It's not just saying, oh, that just, just me or just that person shouldn't preach. Everybody should preach the good news of Jesus and nothing else. Please don't ever get caught up in the fact that there's a lot of things vying for our attention and telling us, oh, this is what's good. There's a lot of things in our culture today that are I don't even know what the right word is, disguising themselves as the good news. The media would say they are the good news and they have the delivering, they have what we need to do next, all these different things. There's one good news of Jesus and it's never going to change, it never has, it never will, and it's always going to be Jesus. Never forget it. This is my question right now. Why on earth would we ever want the approval of people? I spent so long trying to have people approve of me. So long. And it was the, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. I guarantee you, this is just being honest, the people that you see in your middle school and your high school, the ones that you're trying to get, get their attention and win them to be whatever, I don't know, you want to be liked by them, I guarantee you're probably not going to see them ever again. I can think of like two or three people from my high school that I still talk to. And I went to a pretty big high school and I had a lot of friends in high school. I don't go to any of, my, any of my class reunions either. I don't plan to. I haven't. I don't see these people anymore. But I still pray for these people that I knew were lost. This is the ultimate goal. Be Christ's servant, just as Paul said. He says in verse... Sorry, I should have highlighted it. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Isn't the ultimate goal to be his servant? So why would we want to please people? Paul's message is always, it always hits me so deep because he was a person that used to persecute the church. And people now look at him and say, wow, look how God changed that man. Look how his name literally changed from Saul to Paul. Look how God is moving in his life and he's literally preaching things that he used to despise. There's no human reasoning in that. Can we just say that? There's no human reasoning in the fact that Paul used to kill Christians and now he's preaching the good news of Jesus. Any human that's a part of culture would say, no, that's a mistake, that's a coincidence. There's no human reasoning in the fact that God reached so far down the trail of sin to find Paul and to bring him back. There's no human reasoning and no human reasoning at all. Even before Paul was born, he was called by God. That's insane to me to think about. Like, wrap your hand around it. God created Paul before he was born, Saul at the time. He created Saul, and he knew he was going to do all these terrible things. And he knew that, at that still at that same time, he was going to call Paul to be a preacher of the good news of Jesus. So this is 
where I'm going to, I'm already going long, I knew it. This is where I want to land tonight. The gospel is simple. Everywhere throughout scripture, everywhere throughout the word, everywhere throughout our world, there are broken people. And just like Paul, just like all these people that he was going, all these churches that he was going to, all, all throughout his ministry, all throughout the gospels, all throughout our world, there are broken people that need to be saved. Each and every single one of us at one point in time needed a savior. Whether you've had that savior of Jesus now or, whether, or you haven't or not, we, we all at one point need to be saved. And the world will tell you over and over that all these things will save you. But I'm telling you right now, they won't. Anything that seems too good to be true in this world is too good to be true. Jesus seems way too good to be true, but it's true. Imagine. God sent his son Jesus to die for us. That seems too good to be true. For, with human reasoning... Think about this message through human reasoning. Like, if you're part of culture, if you don't want anything to, anything to do with Jesus, if you want nothing to do with Jesus and someone told you, hey, God sent his son to die for you and to save you, you would tell them that they're... That seems idiotic as a human. As a, my human flesh says, that's, that's too good to be true. God didn't send his one and only son to die for me. That's too good to be true. That's why human reasoning is an absolute joke. Human reasoning doesn't tell us that it makes sense for Paul to be saved. Human reasoning doesn't present the message that Paul gives us to the churches in Galatia. Human reasoning doesn't align with the revelations that all of us can receive from Jesus Christ. This is my main point. Human reasoning has no chance against the power of God's promise. When I'm talking about the power of God's promise, I'm talking about the promise to send Jesus and to take us home with him. Worldly reasoning has, wants nothing to do with the fact that Jesus came to save each and every single one of us and to take us to heaven. Worldly reasoning, human reasoning wants to focus on the fact that we're all desperate for something, we're all desperate for attention, we're all broken, we're all, we're all sinners, we're all sinful, and we all are going to go to hell. And the reason I'm saying human and worldly reasoning is because Jesus is not of this world the devil is. So Satan's reasoning, the devil's reasoning is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's to take you out. It's to, to take you a place that you may not even know exists. Some of you in here may not even know there's a heaven and a hell, but I promise you there is, and the devil wants to take you there with him. But God knew from the very beginning before he even created Adam and Eve that eventually we were going to fall and need to be saved, and that's why he sent Jesus. That doesn't even make sense. But that's why it's so cool. Think about this. This is the best. Paul, when he was Saul at one point in time, was the epitome of messy, complex, confusing. There was nothing simple about the guy. He was this devilish ruler that was power hungry. All he wanted to do was satisfy himself. All he wanted to do was destroy people that didn't agree with him. He was killing Christians, like I've said. As humans, we look at that and say oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. At least I haven't killed people. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm hoping at least, a lot of you in here probably haven't killed a person. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that deep down. So all of us, if we're agreeing that none of us have killed anyone, a lot of us are agreeing right now and saying, oh man, at least I didn't kill someone like Saul did. That would be messed up. 
But the thing that's crazy about what I'm about to say is God literally doesn't care. Jesus does not care. Like human reasoning would say, oh, wow, Saul killed Christians. He was the worst you could ever be, and he's never going to be saved or fixed. Nothing is ever going to come of good from that guy. So if none of us, and God still saved him. Jesus still saved Saul and now Paul, and Paul is in heaven waiting for us because I want to talk to him. I'm excited. So if God reached that far out, if Jesus reached that far to reach Saul, now Paul, and none of us, track with me, and none of us have killed someone, that means based on human reasoning, none of us are as bad as Paul was. So if Paul was able to be saved by Jesus, why can't you and I? And the fact that we don't live in that mindset every single day is ridiculous to me. I'm talking to myself. I want to remind myself every single day that Jesus stuck his arm out as far as he could to bring me out of all my messes. Don't ever take that for granted, please. I do way too much. I'm not saying I still don't take that for granted. I do. We must remember the, the cost that God paid to send his son for us. And this is what also, this is, I want to say this as well. Don't sit in a comparison, whether it be wishing, don't sit in a spirit of comparison. Whether that be wishing for someone's el- someone else's life or thinking you don't have someone else's life. Like it can be really easy for us to be like, okay, thank goodness I'm not like Paul. But also, dang, I wish I had whoever. I wish I had their life. No, don't sit in that spirit of, comp- of comparison. It's way too easy and it's a trap, I promise you. Because then you will never grab a hold of the, pro- the God's promise. You'll never grab a hold of it. If you sit here wishing that, that you had or haven't had someone else's life, you're missing out on God of what God wants to do in yours. Our journeys are all unique. Our testimonies are all different. So why not use each and every single one of our unique testimonies to praise God? Like, I'm assuming that I've messed up far, based on human reasoning, again, I'm assuming that I've messed up far worse than a lot of you, but I'm also realizing that there's a sad reality that some of you have done worse things than me. And I'm not saying that out of condemnation. I'm saying that as an encouragement to know it's not over. Some of you have shared with me things that I could never imagine going through, and the fact that that you're still like, praise God, at the end of it is mind-blowing to me. And that's still, everything I'm saying is why human reasoning is a joke, because God doesn't care about it. God doesn't care about the way the devil sees things. I was listening to a a podcast the other day. Um, This is awesome. I was listening to Chad Veach's podcast the other day. He has a, a podcast called Leadership Lean In, and I've just started to get into podcasts. Like, all my friends tell me, hey, you need to listen to podcasts. They're the best. And I've always thought it's like a big time commitment because it's like 45 minutes or an hour of long people talking. And I'm like, that's too much for me. But I have like a 30-minute drive to work every day, so I've got into podcasts. I was listening to Chad Veach talk on a podcast, and he, I love the way he articulates things, and I love the way he views the gospel. And he said, don't be marked by the bad moments in your life because there's an overriding narrative of redemption. Don't be marked. He was talking about moments and creating moments and not living in moments of the past. He said, don't be marked by the bad moments in your life because Jesus offers an overriding sense of redemption. 
Don't be defined by the negative. Be marked by the positive. If we sit in that spirit of comparison, it can be so tempting for us to be like, oh man, I've done all these negative things. They haven't. And if you're looking at that person, I promise you they've done negative things. They've done bad things. So don't be marked by what you think you've done because I promise be marked by the positive impact that Jesus has for you. This is also what he said. It's so good. Be defined by not what happens to us, but what we do with what happened to us. If, if we look back to Saul and if, he, if he's on the road to Damascus and God reaches out and saves him, he could have easily just been like, no, God, I messed up too much. Like, I'm not worthy of, of your saving grace. Instead, he took hold of it and ran with the call of God on his life. So yes, I'm not telling you that in this messed up world that you're going to experience only good things because there's going to be a lot of moments in your life that are bad, but don't be defined by them. Take those bad moments and use them for God's glory. What are you going to do with that moment? God simply reached out and saved you, so what are you going to do with it? This is the, my little conviction or take action step for you. I had a lunch with a pastor friend the other day, and he was talking about all of you guys. He was talking about how I was telling him stories about how amazing you all are, and he was talking about how encouraged he was to know that, that there's still students in our city that are, that are willing to go, that are willing to go, and because I've seen that firsthand. You guys are all willing to be up here and to change your school, to change your, your environment, whatever your life situation is. You're willing to make, it, make a change for good in that, and he was so encouraged. And he said, Spencer, on Wednesday, remind your students to not forget to pray for their classmates. Because if we're all being honest, each and every single one of you in here that would call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're probably like 1% or 2% of other followers of Jesus in your school. I don't know the statistics. I don't know if that's correct. But let's just say theoretically, if there's 98% of people in your school that aren't saved, be praying for them. Because there's no way that you're actually going to be able to talk to every single one of them, but we must never forget the power of prayer. I'm sure there was moments in, in Paul's life where he was like, he, he accepted the, the saving grace of Jesus, but he didn't know where to go next. Pray. I'm sure there were so many moments in his life where he had to get on his knees before God and say, God, I'm sorry, but the rest of my life is yours. So there's going to be students in your school that, that are probably going through their Paul moment in life where they don't know what's next or they're maybe on the road to Damascus, pray for them. Don't ever forget the power of prayer. We always say, read your Bible. And I'm not, don't miss this. I'm not diminishing the power of this book because this is the best book ever written. But for some, a lot of people in this world, like younger children, they can't read, let's just say. Everybody can pray. Even if you can't read this book, which I'd encourage you to do, you can still pray. This is my encouragement. Step into the good news of Jesus every single day. Just as Paul did when he, when he shared this message with us. It wasn't, he didn't pull back any punches. He was really straight up with us. He was very bold. But at the end of it, he said, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he used to destroy. He tried to destroy. Take a look at the wording there in verse 23. The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. Tried is the key word in that sentence. He tried to destroy the faith of Jesus. He tried to, 
destroy the following of Jesus, but it wasn't successful. He wasn't successful in doing it, even though he persecuted many, many Christians. But, just like I said, step into the good news of Jesus every single day. Paul is now doing that. And now in this, in Galatians, Paul is now stepping into the good news of Jesus every single day and following the call of God on his life. And that's what I believe I'm doing my best to do, and I would encourage you to do the same, because I've messed up so bad. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve the love of Jesus. None of us do. I always say this. If God only sent his son Jesus to save us, that would be enough. Like, that's, the, the, that's, that's totally it. Like, I don't need anything else. The saving redemption of Jesus is totally good for me. But the fact that he goes above and beyond and just... The amount of blessings that you've experienced from Jesus, I, I guarantee you can't count. So none of us... None of us deserve to be in the situations we're in, whether good or bad. But I promise God is going to come down and reach and love on you, and he's going to pull you out of situations that you don't know how to get yourself out of. You just need to step into the good news of Jesus every single day. Quit seeking, and the, reason, the, the way you do that, this is important. Quit seeking whatever good news you may think the world will offer you. That's where the distinction lies. It took me a long time to realize that football or basketball or track, those felt to me at the time like the good news and something that was going to bring me out of whatever I was experiencing. Whatever that the good news in the world is for you, don't give it your attention anymore. Simply, the message I'm preaching, simply give your attention to the good news of Jesus every single day. If that means you have to go and read the salvation story a hundred times in the Bible, if that means you have to go and read about Jesus dying on the cross and raising again every single day, do it. Whatever, whatever stepping into the good news means for you, please do it. For me, it is opening my book, my Bible, to Proverb. I read the Proverb of the day every day of the month. There's 30 or 31 days in a month, and there's 30 or 31 Proverbs. I can't remember. I'm sorry. But every single day, whatever day it is, today is October 7th, 6th, I'm sorry, Today's October 6th, and I read, is it the 6th? Yeah, it is. Today's October 6th, and I read, I read Proverbs 6. Proverbs is full of wisdom, and it always points back to the saving redemption of Jesus. Whatever that is for you, step into the good news of Jesus every single day. Don't seek whatever the worldly good news is, because there's no reasoning behind it. And this is, what else, this is something else I'd say. Take responsibility for the people in your life that you know need a simple Savior. I said it last week, even though the fact that Jesus came down and died on a cross and rose again, that's a very, very heavy moment. Very, very heavy. God died, a, or Jesus died a gruesome death for us, so it's very heavy. But if we take a step back and look at it, it's very simple. God knew that, like I said earlier today, God knew that we were all going to be fallen at one point. God knew that we were all lost. God knew that we weren't going to end up to nothing without his son Jesus. So he sent him to save us. He sent him to, to walk with us. He sent him to, to pull us out of any situation that we find ourselves in. So take responsibility for those people that you know need that simplicity of God's saving grace. When I say that, take responsibility for the, for the fact that they may never hear about Jesus. And I, we can agree that a lot of you are willing to go and to have those conversations with people, but if those conversations aren't presenting themselves, pray for them. 
Paul was being obedient and sharing a message that he received from Christ. He took responsibility for us. Whoever He took responsibility for everyone that he knew was going to read that message at one point. He took responsibility. It's a weight. Can we agree? Like, following Jesus is not, not the, the easiest thing to do. So there's a weight that comes with it. It's not popular. It's not, it's not the easiest thing to choose in, in, a, in a world full of in a world full of very, very, sorry, I'm, I have such a bad headache right now. Following Jesus is not easy in a world that offers us things that aren't about Jesus. And Paul, oh God, I'm sorry. The message has been and always will be the same. No matter how bad your headache is, no matter how distracted you are, whatever situation is, the message has been in the moment Paul was writing this, and it always will be exactly the same. The message is we are fallen, we are sinful, we are up to no good, and we need Jesus. So stand in that every single day. Stand in the humility realizing that, that we're never going to make it. We're never going to arrive. We're never going to complete the walk of Christianity. As long as we're on this earth, the message is always is, I need Jesus still. I'm the first to say, I need Jesus every single day. Jesus isn't just our Savior at one point in time. Not just at the first week of this series. Not just now when I'm preaching the second week of this series. Not just when you need it most. God is always, Jesus is always your Savior. Never get stuck in that spirit of comparison. Never get stuck in the fact that you feel like that person is farther along their Jesus walk than you are. Focus on creating good, lasting moments that will benefit the kingdom of God. Don't dwell on the negative ones. It's so wild to me, like I said, that, that we could be in our school and our, and our teacher could say, Spencer, good job. Ten times, like encourage you ten times, and then one, the one time your teacher says one thing negative, you dwell, I would dwell on that for three weeks. Like, isn't that weird? Understand that there's encouragement all around us. We just need to grasp hold of it. God is encouraging us and, and leading us and pushing us forward every single day. We just need to take hold of that, that strength that he offers us. When the world tells us something shouldn't happen, oh, this is so good. When the world tells us that something shouldn't happen, I'm willing to bet that God will make it happen. When human reasoning tells you, Spencer, you're never, gonna, you're never going to be able to stop drinking in college. I've told you that before. That was a struggle of mine early on in college. When everybody told me, Spencer, that's the only thing you're going to live up to, God came in and said, Spencer, that's not for you. Everybody told me that's all, that I, that's all I was going live to live up to, and I, and I believed it because that, that was one of the lowest points in my life. So when somebody tells you, hey, fill in the blank, that's all you're going to live up to, I promise you God is going to step in and deliver you from that. Because human reasoning is a joke. When the world tells us that something shouldn't happen, God would like to prove them wrong. When the world would tell Saul, Saul, all you're going to do is kill Christians, God proved them wrong and saved him just like he can do for each and every single one of us. I did a devotion for our staff. Every, every Wednesday we have staff meetings at our church. And I did a, I was, Pastor Wahlberg asked each pastor to do a devotion 
each Wednesday. So this, this Wednesday, I had the opportunity to share to our staff. And we're walking through this devotion series called Bible Engagement Project, and it's a series of videos. Today, we talked about Jacob and Esau, and we talked about God's perfect timing. This is where I want to land tonight. No matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you feel like you're lost, we can all agree, like I've said, and like Paul has said, that there is one good news, and that good news is Jesus coming down to save you. So no matter where you're at in your timeline with Jesus, don't give in to the temptation of running in front of his perfect timing. There was months and months and years where I felt like, God, I need you to help me. And part of that was because I wasn't accepting the saving grace that he had for me. But there's also a perfect timing of God that's from God that, where he's going to intervene in your situation. Don't outrun it. Wait and soak and remember that God's timing is perfect and it's divine. Hardy, I'm sorry, I should have asked you to come up already, but worship team, will you join me? Guys, I'm sorry that I have a headache. I'm sorry that I seem out of it, but I really don't want us to miss on what God has for us tonight. And I've said so many times, whenever I get up here and preach... It's not to you. I'm just being obedient to what God already convicted me of. So this is what I'd ask you. Who cares about human reasoning? We've agreed that the Bible contradicts the devil's reasoning over and over and over. This is just one example in Paul in Galatians. Over and over and over, things that would never happen on earth or never should happen, God proves it wrong. So why not rely on that promise each and every single day? I'm talking to myself. Spencer, rely on the promise that God has for you each and every single day, even when we feel like we have nothing left in the tank. Right now, I feel like I have nothing left in the tank. I have the worst migraine in my life. But I'm relying on the fact that God saves me, God saves us, and he's never going to forsake us. Will you guys stand with me as, as we are about to worship again? I don't know how many of this, how many of you this question applies to. But there's a lot of us that, that have struggled with getting ahead of God's timing. We've struggled with what Paul has told us, where he, where he he's talking about how he was so far gone. He was humble enough to tell us that he was so far gone before the Lord, but the Lord still picked him up and, and placed him in a position of power. There's a lot of us that aren't comfortable sitting and realizing that, that Jesus saves us. And a lot of us are in situations where we feel like we're not going to get picked up out of. So I don't know how many of you this is for, but this is what I want to ask you. How many of you recognize, and you don't have to respond, just be thinking about this. Who recognizes that they need to be comfortable sitting and living their lives in simplicity, in the simplicity that Jesus offers us? It can be so easy to con confuse Christianity. It can, so e it can be so easy to make it complex. It can be so easy to, to package it in a way where you want to present yourself as this perfect Christian person. But guys, it's simple. It's Jesus, it's the good news of Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. And I'm reminding myself of this right now. I need to remind myself to stand in the simplicity of Jesus every single day. 
How many of us need to stand in the simplicity that the cross saves? Whether you're killing Christians or struggling with lying, whatever it is, God simply saved us. And every single day, it's my challenge. I've heard that word a lot the past, the, in the past week, challenge. I've heard it from so many different people in a lot of different conversations I've had. Christianity is not, is not checkbox. We're not, it's not just, it's really easy for us as Christians to get complacent in, in the way we do things. Read our Bibles, pray, those are all really good things. But Christianity is a challenge, would you agree? Christianity is a challenge, it's not, it's not easy. So I'm challenging myself every single day to, to fast and to remember and to, to meditate on those, on those words that Paul says. Paul's message from Christ says there's one good news. Don't get caught up in the other ones that are gonna be flashing in front of you. Don't get, don't get caught up in, in what the world is trying to tell you. Remember and put your feet and stand strong in the good news of Jesus every single day. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PC Youth Salem.